As many of you know, we're in the fourth week of our current series called Ask Away. You saw what we call a sermon bumper video a moment ago, kind of telling you a little bit about how we, you know, come up with this particular series. Every Easter you do a survey and everybody submits questions about faith, about life, about scripture, about money, about parenting, you name it. And then we take all of those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of responses. We categorize them by themes and then we try our best over four or five weeks to tackle as many of those things and questions as we can. And I wanna tell you a couple things as we jump into today's message, a little bit heavier today and then also full of hope and life. But I wanna tell you something about those that submitted questions. God's not bothered, or maybe you didn't submit a question but you got questions. God's not bothered by your questions. God's not frustrated at your questions. You serve a God that is big enough to handle your questions. As a matter of fact, one of the things I believe and one of the things we teach is, Great questions can lead to great faith. I have grown in my faith, I've matured in my faith because I've not been afraid to ask some questions. So I'm really proud of the questions that were submitted and about 10% of the almost 300 questions that came in were themed around these, these types of uh, thoughts, sin and salvation, sin and salvation. And all kinds of questions came in about what is sin, uh, you know, am I living in sin? How do you define sin? And then also, what does it mean to be saved? Why do I need to be saved? What's the process of salvation? Uh, you know, what, what is this whole thing about the blood of Jesus? We're gonna talk about some of that today. And uh, so before we jump into this, I'd love to offer a quick prayer. And then uh, if you'll let me pray for you, would you pray for me? Is that fair? I could use that prayer today. So just out of reverence to the Lord, every head bowed, every eye closed unless you're watching online, driving to or from work, you ought to keep those eyes open, come on. Father, I thank you for your sweet spirit that gives us the anointing to break every yoke. God, I need, I need your strength today, I need your help today. I need your anointing today, I need your guidance today, I need your truth today and your grace today. Lord, this message is not to stand up here and to preach down to people, it's just a needed reminder about how sin has entered the world and how God sent his son Jesus to enter this world to pay the penalty of our sin. So God, I pray that we would have an open heart and an open mind. Uh, we are all in different seasons and different struggles. One thing though we have in common is that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Another thing we have in common is that your grace is available. Can you say amen there? So I pray today that this message would be filled with truth and with grace and that when we leave, we leave with a change, not just a change while we're here on earth, but an eternal change, giving us a better understanding of our hope and of our future. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And the whole church said, amen, amen and amen. You've clapped a lot, but now for Jesus. Come on, give him the highest praise. Come on. Love it. All right, here's the question. Uh, one of the questions that was submitted, again, about 10% of all those questions that came in uh, centered around sin and salvation. One of the questions that uh, somebody wrote was, so I hear about sin. People talk about sin. Somebody preaches about sin. You know, obviously in movies, uh, I think there's one or two movies out there that promote sin. Uh, that was a joke. Come on, you should have laughed. I just wondered too. Um, but they wanted to know, can somebody define sin for me? Can you 
Can you like tell me what, what sin is? And I think that's a, a great question and a needed question as culture and society will continue to move the needle of morality and Christian ethics and all of that. So kind of a little silly illustration of what I think sin is. I would imagine that sin was what happened the first time that Kimberly saw me walk across the campus of Lee University. Come on, somebody. But she thought about me. She couldn't keep her eyes off me, y'all. Come on now. And this year we're going to sell. I know her daddy's there, but you need to know the truth, sir. Um, she loved all this. Come on. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She actually, I would, she found me very repulsive. And uh, no, sin, sin is, is, is anything that would separate us from God. That's kind of a working definition, as a matter of fact. It, it's anything that pulls us away from God. So that really kind of opens up a laundry list of of possibilities, of temptations that we could find ourselves susceptible to that would then pull us away from what God's desire is with, with his children, which is intimacy. God desires intimacy, and the enemy knows how dangerous it is for you to come into an intimate relationship with God. So the enemy uses all type of destructive you know, temptations and strongholds to, to get you out of the presence of God. Does that make sense? And so sin is anything that goes against God. Uh, sin is rebellion. It's rebellion against God. And I think we all, we all understand a little bit about rebellion because we've all been a little rebellious. Come on, like whether that was as a teenager or a young adult or this weekend, you just felt a little rebellion in your spirit. Like, well, I know I'm not supposed to, but I'm, I'm going to anyway. And that's what sin is. Sin, sin is a, a rebellious spirit. The sin being a three-letter word Right in the middle, you see the root of it all. It's I. It's I. I want to be God. I want to play God. I want to do my own thing. I want to write my own rules. I want to be my own person. And, and again, that type of struggle is the very heartbeat of sin. Uh, 1 John chapter 3 tells us and teaches us that sin is lawlessness against God. So here's what the Bible says. Uh, and I really want you to take notes today. At both of our physical campuses, there's a blank sermon note card in the seat back pocket right in front of you, a great way to do that. If you're online, or maybe you prefer a digital approach to taking notes, you know, use your smartphone or our GoChurch app. Just don't get distracted with social media and the text messages about where we're going to lunch and all that. But I want you to take some notes. Here's what the Bible says in 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. And again, everyone means all of us. Uh, the person near you, the person that came with you, the person on your road, the person behind you, we have all sinned. We have all, as a matter of fact, let me say this to you. We were all born into sin. That's why Jesus says you must be born again. Are y'all going to help me to preach today or what? So we're born into sin, but Jesus says you've got to be born again. So everyone who sins is breaking God's law for all sin, every sin, not just the sin that, that we think is sin and then the other things that we say, well, that's not sin. All sin is contrary to the law of God. When you open up the Bible, there's 66 books in the Bible. Two weeks ago, we did a whole message through Ask Away on God's Word. If you were here, that was a powerful day. If you missed it, go back online and listen to the archive message. 66 books in the Bible. The very first book, Genesis, written by Moses, introduces us, the first three chapters, to the supremacy of God, the sovereignty of God, who God is, and then also who we are in relation to God. And that was important for the children of Israel, but it's important for you and I today because if we desire to have relationship with God, to have that intimacy with God, 
then we have to know that, and we see this in chapter number three, you know, of, of, of Genesis, the fall of mankind, falling into the trap of the temptation of sin, then what is helpful for us to know is that the only way we can have closeness with God, relationship with God, is to identify the sin that separates us because that is a wall. Does that make sense? So with every decision that you and I make to sin, we build that wall brick by brick, brick by brick. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, so Genesis 1, we get the creation story. Uh, we see there that even the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. That's the Ruach of God, Genesis 2. We're introduced to Adam and Eve. And then Genesis 3, we see the temptation. Here's, here's how this plays out here in verse 1. It's about 13 verses uh, but I want to read it to you. Now, the serpent, that's the enemy. The devil was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? I should have highlighted that in yellow for you, uh, for you to lock that into memory. But if you're taking notes, you got your, you know, Go Church Bible app or the YouVersion app. Highlight that because this is a tactic of deception that the enemy still uses today. Did God really say? Verse number two, the woman responds and she says, well, we are allowed to eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say that there is one tree that's in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to touch and we can't eat because we can't eat of its fruit because if we do, then we will, somebody say, die. I mean, that's, that's God's word there. Verse number four, and the enemy comes along again, connected to the deception in verse one. He says, you're not going to die. Come on. Surely you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, now the deception really sets in. The lies begin to unravel. He says, the moment that you eat from it, God knows that you're going to be like him. You'll be elevated to his level of sovereignty and wisdom and authority. And now you will know all things, good and evil, and you will be like God. Now she's taking the bait. She's buying into the deceptive lives of the enemy. And watch verse number six. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for, for gaining wisdom... Let's read this together. One, two, three. She took some and ate it. She took some and ate it. Verse number six continued. She also gave some to her husband. He was with her and he ate it. Verse number seven. Then the eyes of both of them were open. They realized that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. Now all of a sudden, watch this. Everything was exposed. Not just physically, but everything. Spiritually, relationally, sin entered and everything was exposed. Verse number eight. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I just want to tell you something. You can run, but you can't hide. I don't know who needed to hear that, but God knows all. He sees all. And I know sometimes we think we can play hide and seek with God. You can hide behind, you know, a tree or under a cover. But listen to me. Lean in for a second. And this is coming from a place of compassion, but you need to hear some truth today. Secret sin is still sin. Even if nobody knows about it, but only you know about it, secret sin, hidden sin, is still sin. So they hide, they run off and they hide, and the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I like that, a little sarcasm, like he didn't know. And he answered, well, the man answered, well, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. I don't know if you remember, like, early to mid-2000s, there was kind of a popular TV show. I don't know if it's still a thing, but it was called Naked and Afraid. Anybody remember that show? Raising your hand doesn't mean that you watched it, although I can tell some of you watched it. 
Well, this is episode one. Come on, somebody. They were naked and they were afraid. And so that was, I thought that was funnier than you responded. I'm so sorry. And so they hid. Verse number 11. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Verse number 12. And I mean, you got to find humor through some of this. I, I love the response of Adam. He's like, well, what happened was is that woman that you gave me. Come on. It's that woman's fault. And watch this. Ever since then, man has been blaming woman. Ladies, you should have at least said amen. And now everything is the woman's fault. Anyway. He says, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from that tree, and I ate it. And then the final verse says this. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I, there are a few things here that I see in Genesis that really unpack what sin is and define sin. And uh, I, I want to have a conversation with you. So open heart, open mind here. But here's the first one. Sin is deception. That's what sin is. It's interesting that the technique of the enemy, the tactic of the enemy, the scheme of the enemy has not changed from the fall of humanity in the beginning of, of Genesis until June the 6th of 2021. Sin is deception. So here's what the enemy wants to do. All right, let's talk about it like this. The enemy wants to rebrand sin, repackage sin, redefine sin, and then reintroduce sin so that when you participate in it, you don't even realize that it's actually a sin. Does that make sense? And that's what he's been doing. It's like, well, how, how can I take something that the word from God says and manipulate it. So the, the goal of the enemy is, how can I take sin and mess with it so much that it doesn't even look like sin anymore? And that's the culture and the society that we're living in. And so God, God gave Adam and Eve his word. His word is still the final authority today. And ever since that word, that spoken word, which we don't believe in the Big Bang Theory, we believe that God spoke. That God spoke and he created, he's a creative God. And ever since then, the enemy has been trying to manipulate the word of God to rebrand, repackage, and reintroduce sin so that you and I just take a bite. We take a bite and we don't even realize that what we're taking a bite of is destructive and it's damning. So let me, let me show you this. So you've got the word and you've got the world. Now, what I'm about to say is very elementary, and it's not to challenge your intellect. You're a smart room, okay? Germantown, South Metro Online, you're a smart group of people. But even the spelling of these two words are only separated by one letter. Word is W-O-R-D. World is W-O-R-L-D. And I, want, I highlighted that yellow because, listen to me, every time you take the bait of the world, you will always end up with an L. You'll always lose. Hello? The ways of the world are always destructive, and it leads to death. It leads to loss. But if you choose the word, come on now, you will always win with the word. Now, I'm going to show you some things here on the screen about how the enemy has taken the word of God. And you, oh, JC, don't get ahead of yourself here. But you have to decide if you believe God's word or not. I can't decide that for you. You have to decide that. So I'm going to show you some things on the screen here about what God's word says and then how the world has repackaged that. And the Bible says, again, JC, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but 
The Bible says you got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So you're going to see some things on the screen, and some of you are going to be like, amen, and then some of you are going to be like, oh, me, you know, and then some of you are going to be like, I can't believe you, and others are going to be like, say that, pastor, you know. I'm just going to give you what the Word says, okay, and then I'm going to show you what the world says. Is that all right? Okay, watch this. So the Word, the word says this. The Word says that gambling is a sin. The world says, it's not a sin, it's entertainment. Have fun. This budget, spend your money on them horses. The world says that drugs and drunkenness is a sin. That's black and white. But the world says, no, you work in a high-stress environment. That's just relaxation. Uh, take, 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 take the edge off. The word says that thou shalt have no other gods before me. But the world says, it's just a hobby. It's just your kid's travel ball team. It's just your favorite college football team that you follow around every weekend, so we don't see you in the fall. It's just a hobby. The word says that premarital sex is a sin. I read in the Bible, there is no bing bing without the ring ring. It's in there. I read that. <laughs> I read it. It's in there. But the world says, no, that's just romance. That's just love. Okay, the word says that homosexuality, same-sex relationship, that that's a sin. But the world says that's courage. Courage. Let everybody know. The word says, and again, stop trying to categorize which sin is greater than the other. Sin is sin. So the same one's like, yeah, tell them about premarital sex. Well, you're full of pride. So the Bible says that your pride and your arrogance is a sin. But the world says, no, that's just, that's confidence. You see where we're going here? The, the word says that you shouldn't disrespect authority. What is wrong with our country right now? Disrespecting authority. Well, because the world says, well, that's independence. The word says that greed is a sin. The world says that's just the pursuit of happiness and dreams. The word says that pornography is a sin. The word says that if you even look at another person with a lustful eye, you've already sinned. But the world says that's art and expression. Your Bible says that abortion is murder. But the world says, no, 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 no. Let's rebrand that because it's personal choice. Okay, now, everybody hang in there with me because there's a lot of emotion going. I can feel those emotions. So let's just have this, have this conversation here. Repackaged sin no longer looks like sin. And when that happens, when the enemy repackages sin and rebrands sin and reintroduces sin, now most people don't even realize that you need a savior. They're confused that, well, what am I lost from? Because we've believed the lies of the world over the truth of the word. And you know how, you know how I know this is true right here? Because there are some of you that are like, I can't believe that you would stand on that stage, hold that microphone, and talk about choices and behaviors and decisions and call them a sin. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to like it. And you, you don't have to respect me. But now you know. But now you, now you have to figure out, is this true? Or is this just a book of lies and a bunch of people that get together and we have an emotional experience? You've got to work out your own salvation. Some, some, some of you, uh, you, you, you may find yourself on this list. You may have family members that are on this list. This list could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. There was a day that I was on this list. 
but I met Jesus. So what we do here is, is that we're not about condemnation. I'm not trying to beat you down. If you give me the time and you lean in, I'll show you that God makes a way out of the deepest, darkest places that the enemy has told us that is our only hope. Come on. And here's what Paul said. Think, you got to think about where we are today as a society and then go back thousands and thousands of years ago of when God's spoken word was put together, 66 books, 40 authors, three languages, three continents, over 1,500 years, and the wild accuracy of then and now. So Paul told the church, just like a go church, so if the Bible were written hundreds of years later from our date today, they would talk about, you know, like, go church in this particular era. So this is, he was writing a letter to the church at Corinth. And here's what he said thousands of years ago. He says, I'm afraid that just how Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And this is my fear too. Here, here's what I know. I can almost guarantee this unless a spouse drug you to church or your mama drug you to church. Most of you, you, you come to church, you tune in online because you have this sincere desire to love Jesus. You have this sincere desire to do better and to be better and to have this pure devotion to God. The problem is, is that we are constantly being hit by the world and the world, which is run by the enemy, the world is constantly telling us that that's not sin. You're not going to die. There are no consequences. Live your own life. Do your own thing. But listen to me. Somebody hear me. And again, I'm not that old school hellfire brimstone kind of preacher, but I believe the book. And that means that one day we will all stand before God and we will be accountable for every action, word, and deed. Does that make sense? And so again, I said this a moment ago, but if you didn't know, now you know. And there is great consequence in being deceived. And the enemy is mass, a master at manipulating minds. That's why Paul, again, told the church at Rome, he said, don't copy the behavior of this world. He said, stop, stop, stop copying the customs of this world. You're in it, but pardon the grammar, you ain't of it. Uh, we've been set apart. But those who are in Christ Jesus, stop, stop behaving like the whole world. Let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. By the renewing of your mind. Does that make sense? So sin is full of deception. And the enemy's desire is, how can I take sin and rework it so when I present it to you, it doesn't even look like sin. The other thing about sin that we find from Genesis 3 is this, is that sin is wrong belief. Now, we talked about this for a moment, but let's come back to it for a second. This is exactly what happened to Eve. So sin is wrong belief, meaning that at some point you made the decision to believe something or believe someone that was not God. And you have Listen, you have free will, so you get to make that choice. I can't, I can't make that choice for you. My salvation, again, is based off my belief system. I'm not saved because my granny was saved. I'm not saved because my mom is saved. I am saved because of my belief in Christ Jesus, that God sent his son to this earth. Jesus died for JC. His blood was shed for JC. 
that I can accept him. I can become a new person. He can turn my life around. I've confessed my sins. I believed in my heart. But at some point when we make the decision to sin, it's a wrong belief. We believe something over Jesus or over God. And that's what happened to Eve. She decided that I'm going to believe the serpent more than I'm going to believe God. And let me tell you again, is that not the culture we live in? Here's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. For the time is coming, and which by the way, the time is here. When people, they're not going to endure sound doctrine. They're not going to endure sound teaching. A lot, a lot of people, there are some people that they enjoy this kind of in your face, punch me again, pastor. Most people, most people don't like this. Give me the five keys to being a successful businessman. Give me the five ways to keep my family together. Give me, give me a blessed life in 30 days. Don't, don't tell me that I'm a sinner. Why? Because, and this is for me too. This is sermon is for me too. It's because I don't want to admit that I'm weak. I don't want to admit that I'm not capable of being good and doing good. I don't want to own that I've got issues. And some of you are like, well, we knew that. So, so we, don't, we won't endure the sound teaching or the sound doctrine. The other day I was on this uh, Zoom call just uh, talking to a young couple that they're making some life decisions and I guess my advice they didn't like very much. And that's fair, you, you don't have to take everything I say. But I thought, let me give you a little bit of a different perspective here. And so at the end of the call, I said, let me pray. And uh, you know, because of Zoom and technology, they muted me during the prayer. Now, some of you online, you're like, I do that every week. I just mute you. If you're in the room, you're in terminal, you don't get to mute me. The sound man can mute me, but how dare you even think of that? <laughs> he muted me. Now, in that moment, when I found out that I had, that I had been muted, I thought, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. But I thought, I mean, mute me all you want. God heard the prayer. Amen. Hey, now. <laughs> Some people, they don't want truth. They just want, hey, tell me what I want to hear. And I get in seasons like that. Like, don't call me out. You know, it's like if somebody tells you, imagine somebody telling you that you don't know, hey, you're a little bit overweight. You're like, who do you think you are? Compared to somebody that you do know that says, hey, at least somebody thinks I'm funny. Thank God. <laughs> this side of the whole room, y'all are dead. <laughs> Whoever's left, thank you. I love you, my favorite person. Somebody you do know that says, hey, you're overweight, it still stings, but you needed to hear the truth. And so people, they don't want to endure sound teaching, so they've got itching ears, so they accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions. Uh-oh. They'll turn away from listening to what? Okay, but your Bi the Bible says this, that it's, it's not, oh, Jesus, help JC. Okay, watch. It's not the doctrine that suits your own passions that sets you free. It's the truth. You need people, listen to me. You don't have to like this and you don't even have to respect me, but you should be thankful somebody loves you enough to tell you the truth. Yes. That there is a way that seems right into a man, but in the end, it leads to death and it leads to destruction. Uh, is this, are we okay? Okay, if it's not okay, don't say no, because that would be awkward. But you can laugh anytime you want to laugh. I like that guy. Let me give you another one. Sin is deception, which we know. Also, sin always goes against God. So let's go back to this three-letter word, I. This, this, at, at, 
at the core of sin is your decision to usurp the authority of God. I am my own person. I will do things my own way. I know what I need better than God knows what I need. Um, to, to the young people that are living at home and you've said things, your parents are like, well, it's my life. I'll do what I want. <laughs> Wrong. There he is. Wrong. This life is not your own. Come on now. You were bought with a price. That is a rebellious spirit that says, well, I'll do whatever I want. It's not just teenagers. When we grow, we kind of do the same thing. So this is, I, I will make my own decision. I, I, I know what I need better than God knows what I need. Here's one. Whenever we sin, it's God, I don't trust your ways. And I certainly don't believe your word. It's tough, isn't it? And then the other thought is this, sin, sin is deadly. Now the enemy says it, it's not. Surely he's not going to kill you. We'll stand before God one day. Uh, one question that's almost asked every single year of Ask Away is, how could a loving God send someone to hell? He doesn't. Sin sends people to hell. But God sent his only son, Jesus. Come on to those who have accepted Jesus to provide a way out. Those, those who end up in hell, they went there on their own decision making. God doesn't send people to hell. God looked down from the, I feel this in my, in my spirit right now. From the moment that sin entered the world in Genesis, the rest of the gospel, the rest of the Bible is God telling us his love story of how he wants to buy you back. The rest of the book is God putting on display his grace and his mercy. Come on now. The whole book is about how you would be lost without him, but Jesus, but God, but rich in mercy. Come on. Let me get a hundred people that have accepted Jesus to affirm what I'm talking about. I don't need the affirmation, but affirm the father that gives his love. Come on. The whole book, the whole book from cover to cover is how God wants to redeem you and your entire life. The enemy's just lying, lying. Hey, surely you will not die. Yes! Well, the Bible says this. The wages of sin is death. You can't pick and choose the parts of the Bible that you like and don't like. You don't get to pick and choose what you accept and what you don't accept. There is a payment for our sin. There is a wage that is due, a compensation, an invoice, and the only way it can be paid is through death death. Now, think about this. God knew that. And so he gave Jesus to pay the bill you couldn't pay. Oh, thank you, Father. So, so let's transition to this other question that ties all of the sin with beautiful harmony here. So why do we talk about the blood of Jesus? Why do, why do we talk about how the blood of Jesus washes us clean? This is such a great question. And I think sometimes, and I'll be the first one to admit that I'm guilty of this, uh, in church, we'll use like Christianese. So that's like language, church Christian language that we just think everybody should know. Like you should, when we talk about the blood, everybody, some people are like, the blood, this is gross. What are we talking about the blood? When we do communion, we're like, all right, eat the body, drink the blood. People are like, what? Well, listen to me. When we do communion, we're not talking about cannibalism. We're talking about symbolism. The wafer is the broken body of Jesus on the cross, and the juice is the blood that was shed on Calvary. 
so, so this is a great question. What, why do we talk about the blood of Jesus? So let's go back to this verse that I showed you a moment ago, that the wages of sin is death. And you and I, we owe that. I don't know if you've ever had a bill that you owed. Come on, somebody. Okay, and you got that bill and you're like, hello. Okay, so you've got this bill because of the sin that we've committed. And God looked down and he knew, listen to me, let me say it to you like this. He knew that your blood can't save you, but his blood can. Does that make sense? But you can't save yourself. You can't rescue yourself. So he says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Uh, let me walk you through a little bit of New Testament scripture. Mary will give a, a, a birth to a son. You'll give him the name what? Say Jesus on three. One, two, three. Oh, there's power in the name. Right? You'll name him Jesus. And Jesus, the name Jesus, Yeshua, literally means to save his people from their sins. God sent Jesus on purpose for one purpose, to pay the wage of sin, to die on the cross, for his blood to be poured out, because you and I, we, we can't do that on our own. John 3, 16, foundational verse in the Bible. For those that haven't even read the Bible, at least you see at a football game, somebody holding up the sign, John 3, 16. Two verses here, for God loved the world. It doesn't say he loved the word because he is the word. But he loved this world that turned his back on him, that chose sin over him. He loved that world so much that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but what? Have eternal life. But watch this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And let me tell you this. It's only the job of the enemy to condemn. It's not, it's not the Holy Spirit's job to condemn. It's not my job to condemn. We all got stuff. We all got sin. It's not the job of the church to condemn. How dare us walk around with our pride and arrogance like we've got it all together. Nonsense. This is not a place for perfect people. This is a hospital for hurting. Where we come together with all of our brokenness, with all of our sin, with all of our stuff, and we recognize that God loves us too much to leave us the way he found us, that there is a better way. And it's through intimacy with Jesus. God forbid that we never become so prideful that we think we've got it all together. God, this is my heart, whether you're listening, you can mute me on this prayer if you want. God, send the sinners. Send them here where we can love them to life in you it's not our job to condemn no and it's neither the job of jesus jesus came to save the world through him another verse here romans chapter 5 verse 6 when we were utterly helpless come on somebody testified at that time in your life with no way of escape christ came at just the right time and he died for us who are we sinners we're sinners. Let me tell you about the blood and we'll be done here. Watch this. So we learn now that his blood redeems us. This is why, this is why we talk about the blood. We preach about the blood. We sing about the blood. When we take communion, we're reminded of the blood because it's his blood poured out on that old rugged cross that buys us back. I don't always have the greatest illustrations, but maybe this will give you some imagery here 
Imagine going to a flea market. Remember flea markets? Come on now. And at the flea market, there is your life for sale. On an old shelf in the corner covered up by other antiques and Jesus shows up to the flea market. And he happens to stop by the very booth where your soul is for sale, your life is for sale. And Jesus says to the owner, because when we are in sin, we are owned by someone and something else. And Jesus says, how much for him? How much for her? And the owner says, that old thing? That's worthless, garbage, trash, good for nothing, full of mistakes and guilt and shame. And Jesus says, I asked how much? How much do you want for him? How much do you want for her? And now the owner of your life, of your soul, realizes he's got Jesus trapped in a corner. And he says, well, for you, Jesus, it'll cost you everything. And Jesus says, so be it. I'll go to the cross. They'll pierce my side. They'll nail my hands. They'll mock me and ridicule me. They'll bury me in a borrowed tomb. But my blood that was shed in that moment was for you to redeem you and to buy you back. Woo! There is no place too deep. There is no place too dark that the blood of Jesus cannot reach and pull you up out of it. Come on. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Watch what the Bible says. He says, for you know that you were not redeemed with all these perishable things. It wasn't money. Money, money can't fix problems. Mo money, mo problems. Paul says it's not silver or gold. That's not how you were redeemed. He says you were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Can we take 10 seconds? Anybody thankful for the blood? Come on. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for buying us back. When he was on the cross, he was thinking about you. His blood redeems us. His blood reconciles us. So as long as you keep choosing sin, you are at war with God. You're at war. You can't choose the word and the world. Uh, the Bible says in Revelation, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spew you from my mouth. So you, you got to be, uh, Joshua says, choose today what God you are going to serve. You got to make a decision. And, and if you choose to believe the ways of the world, then you're at war with God. But through the blood of Jesus, God gives us a peace treaty. Oh, man. And he signs his name in blood. And here's what Colossians 1.20 says, that we make what? Peace. We make peace with God through his blood that was shed on the cross. Maybe why you don't feel at peace in any area of your life is because you're at war. So recognizing the sin, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord, now what the blood of Jesus does is it makes you clean. There is nothing too dirty that God can't make worthy. There is nothing too filthy that God can't make clean. I am a living testimony of a person that made mistake after mistake, and bad choice after bad choice. And if God can use someone like me, God can do it for anybody. The only part I play in this whole story is crying out to God with confession, saying, Lord, I need you. 
and I need you to wash me clean, make me a new person. 1 John 1, 7 says, the blood of Jesus, who is God's son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me give you one more. His blood gives us the victory over the enemy. There are days now, 20 plus years into my committed relationship with Christ, and there are days the enemy tries to remind me of my past. The enemy tries to remind me of how I used to be. The enemy will rear his ugly head with temptation packaged in a way that makes me think, is that really sin? But I stand on the word of God in Revelation 12, 11 that says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb. Wow. And by the word of our testimony. See, I've got victory because of what God did through his son Jesus on the cross through his blood. But I've also got victory every time I open up my mouth and I testify about the goodness of God. Can I get 25 people that knows what I'm talking about? So it's the blood that makes us clean. Okay, our time's up. I got a whole hour left, but we'll stop here with this question. Watch this. So have you confessed? Ha ha have you recognized the sin? And have you confessed? Have you accepted Jesus as Lord? Listen to me, whether you choose to believe all this or not, you're welcome here, we love you, man. Keep coming, keep being a part. We'll keep having conversations and questions together. But the only moment that you're promised is this moment. Not tomorrow, not the next day. I'm not trying to play off of hyper-emotionalism or anything of that nature, but I don't know how the grace of God works in its entirety. What I do know is that grace is available right here, right now, in this moment. If any part of this conversation the Holy Spirit used to allow you to recognize some areas in your life that you need to get right, you better confess and accept Jesus as Lord. That is the only way that your name will get written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about heaven next week. Is that all right? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on. Online, do the same. Germantown, you do the same. I'm the only one looking with our campus pastors here. If there's any way to minimize any moving at our campuses, I don't want to miss this moment. Two minutes and I'll be off this platform. Listen to me. Have you confessed? Have you accepted Christ? It's easy. It's not a complicated process. It's as easy as the ABCs. Acknowledge. Acknowledge that Jesus is who he says he is. Believe that he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. That he was crucified on a cross, his blood was shed for you. Believe that they put him in a tomb and three days later up from the grave, he arose. And then see, confess. It's confession from your lips to the heart of your father that gets you in right standing. And then see which is commit. Now today, God, I'm making a commitment to follow you to follow you. For how long? Forever. To fight the good fight. To keep the faith. To finish the race. Nobody's looking but me and our campus pastors. Come on, I'm going to count to three. If you would say, Pastor JC, there's some areas in my life. I just, by raising your hand, it's an act of confession. I just want to get some things out there. I'm not going to have you run up here. I'm not going to have you grab a microphone. You're just saying, I just got, you ready? One, two, three. Come on, hands, 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 hands. Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens. Come on, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Germantown, do the same. Come on, online. 
Church, if you could see the hands lifted that I see, thank you, Father, all of heaven is rejoicing. Come on, every person at all of our campuses, repeat this prayer after me and say it like you mean it, dear God. Come on, church, say it like you mean it, dear God. I'm asking you to come into my life, to forgive me of my mistakes. I wanna have pure devotion and pure relationship with you. But I need you to help me overcome the sin in my life that has attached itself to me. I believe that today, upon my confession and acceptance of you, that you will make me a new person. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean and change the rest of my life. I give you my whole heart and I give you my whole mind. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on and give Jesus the highest praise. And come on and encourage those that just prayed that prayer. Come on. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus.